you know my lovely wife, some of you, this is your first introduction to her. Uh, this is my wife, Tiffany. Uh, we are celebrating this year 12 years of marriage, and she is my absolute best friend, uh, my lover, my confidant, the mother of our four children. And if you're not aware of, uh, she's cranked out four kids in four and a half years. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. What a woman. What a woman. Amen. So I just love my wife. Uh, she is a woman of God. She's a woman of integrity. Uh, she's a woman after God's own heart. And she did an awesome job in the first experience. And you're going to be blessed. Uh, first time she's ever spoken uh, in church before, ever in her life. And so you're going to be amazed at her wonderful public speaking skills. Somebody told me she may take over the speaking here at People's Church. We're going to pray not. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome my lovely wife, Tiffany, as she speaks today to us. Well, thank you so much, People's Church. You know, this is a great day, and I have to tell you that I do consider it such a tremendous privilege to stand here today as we celebrate the seven-year anniversary of People's Church, as well as Mother's Day. Um, I have often joked that People's Church was my first baby because, you know, starting a church, it was all-consuming, just like when you first have a baby. You know what I'm saying, moms? Like, it takes everything that you have. And, you know, Herbert and I, we started this church, and we put all of our energy, all of our resources, everything we had into the church. I remember it was the spring of 2001, and Herbert came home from ministering, and he said, Babe, God just spoke to my heart that we are to start a multicultural church. And I have to tell you that that was not something on our radar screen because we were very blessed and very happy at the place that we were in our life. But when God spoke that to us, we knew that we had to follow his call. And so we started the preparation and God brought Brian and Alicia Rush into our lives. And together we started on this crazy journey, which you now know is People's Church. And it has just been a tremendous blessing and privilege um, to be involved in that. Um, well, since then, Herbert and I, as he said, we have four precious babies. Um, I brought a photo so you can see them if you've never seen our four little kiddos. Um, Kale is five years old. Kate is going to be four this month. Karis is two and a half, and then we have a little baby Case with the wild hair, and he is nine and a half months, and I just adore being their mother. And so like many of you moms, I'm sure that Mother's Day has quickly become one of your favorite days of the year, as it is for me. And so in honor of all the mothers here, I have a few signs of advanced momhood. Okay, ladies? So here you go. Um, you promised yourself that you would never say the things your mother told you growing up. And then one day out of nowhere, you hear your mother's voice coming out of your voice saying, not in your good clothes. Okay, I do that one. Um, you have mastered the art of reverse psychology, getting your kids to do the things that they don't really want to do, but then they decide they should. Um, you think about, dream about, and pray for more sleep. Your child throws up and you catch it before it hits the carpet. You can manage the housework, make the meals, pay the bills, and schedule the doctor's appointment on the phone, all while holding your child on your hip. 
It's true, isn't it, ladies? Um, So if you are a mother, you know that there is little glamour in the daily responsibilities of motherhood. And I'm sure that there are days that sometimes you feel overwhelmed and underappreciated. But the truth is that your role as a mother is invaluable. And it is far more important than even the most glamorous job that you could find. And yet, the truth is that even more women undervalue their greatest role in the family. And ladies, your greatest role in your family is the role of being a godly wife. And Herbert, he's been talking to the men um, throughout this series about how to stand up and be an ultimate fighter for God. And today, we're going to talk about, ladies, how we can stand up to help our men become the ultimate fighter God created them to be. Um, I have um, an illustration for us. Um, this is a true story to kind of get us started on how to fight for our man, okay? This um, was a news article that I found. It's titled, Women Fight Over 72-Year-Old Man. March 23rd. A 72-year-old man is at the center of a battle between two women who both say they were dating him in Dayton, Ohio. Edith Mitchell, 78, told news station WHIO... She was sitting in a car with her boo of two years on Wednesday when a 73-year-old woman who claimed to be dating the same man came up to the car. She came up, grabbed me out of the car, and said, That's my man, Mitchell alleged. She said, Hey, you with my man, get out of that car. Well, according to news station WHIO, Dayton police reports say the woman started striking Mitchell in the face with her fist. Mitchell said she went into her home and got her gun. But the other woman took it from her and pulled the trigger, misfiring. In police reports, the other woman claims it was Mitchell who did the misfiring. I'm too old for this. That's all I can say, Mitchell told WHIO. So see, ladies, you are never too old, or it is never too late to start fighting for your man. I mean, these ladies, they were serious about this man. And I have to tell you, I am pretty sure this man felt pretty good about himself. You know what I'm saying? So today, ladies, we are here to get serious about fighting for our man. And so many of you here today already hold the role of daughter, sister, and friend. But chances are that someday you will also add the role of wife and mother, if you have not already. And so this message is for every lady listening, because you can use these four prize moves to fight for your man. So prize move number one, ladies, is it's not about being right. It's about being righteous. There was a man, and he was celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary. And when asked about his wife, he said, oh, I found Mrs. Wright. Mrs. Always, right? And ladies, when we try to be Mrs. Always, right, we start to become very critical of our husbands. And we have to be careful that we don't crush our husbands with criticism, that we don't jab them with judgment at the places that it hurts them most. Because I'm telling you today, ladies, your husband, yeah, amen, brother. Because I'm telling you, your husband didn't marry you because he needed a second mom. And if he did, we do have prayer after service. 
So I just want you to know that that is going to be available. But he didn't marry you because he needed a second mom. He didn't marry you because he really, really wanted somebody else to tell him what to do, what to think, what to say, what to wear. You know, he didn't want that. He married you because he loved you and he wanted somebody to build a life with. And yet so many women are guilty of taking on the role of mom instead of wife. And they throw out these jabs of judgment on everything little to big. And so here are a few things that some women say. Um, You're really going to wear that outfit? You know, it's just a little statement, but it's a jab. Um, Why did you do it that way? You are so lazy. I don't even know why I married you. And so, ladies, these words of criticism, these reckless words, they are damaging. I want you to listen to what Proverbs 12:18 says. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Lady, if we are not careful, our words of criticism and judgment will pierce our ultimate fighters in their manhood. It'll pierce them where it hurts them the most. And the thing about reckless words is they create conflict and pain. And, you know, in relationships, if you're in a relationship, you already know that there will be disagreements. But ladies, I am telling you, there is a big difference between working through a disagreement and trying to pick a fight so you can be Mrs. Right. Trying to pick a fight so you can get your way and have the last word. And, you know, Mrs. Wright, she says things like, well, that's how my parents did it. And Mrs. Wright, Mrs. Wright just says, I want to do what pleases the Lord. Mrs. Wright says, well, I'm going to say what I want to say, when I want to say it, how I want to say it, regardless of the consequences. And Mrs. Wright just says she wants her words to build up and benefit her ultimate fighter. And, you know, I'm not here today, ladies, with, like, blinders on my eyes because I do realize that some criticism comes from hurt. And you may feel like you have been hurt to the core by your ultimate fighter or by a man. But, ladies, you are never, ever going to heal throwing jab for jab. You will never find healing in retaliation. It just will not happen. And so I encourage you today... Ladies, ask the Lord for help and crush criticism and begin to say words that build up your man. Begin to treat him differently. Because I will tell you, when you begin to treat your husband differently, it opens the door for him to treat you differently. Um, Listen to the scriptures, Psalm 141, verse 3. If you struggle with criticism, I encourage you to make this your prayer. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ladies, when we guard our words, we are being righteous. And when we are righteous, we crush criticism and we show our ultimate fighters respect. And, you know, respect, it's not based on whether you feel like giving it to him. It's not based on whether you think he deserves it. Respect is biblical. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, it says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Ladies, respect is biblical. You know, we have the power, ladies. Whether you realize it or not, you may not know the power you have, but we have the power to make our husbands feel like the ultimate fighter or the underdog based on our words. And one of the things that we can do to build up our men 
is give compliments. You know, compliments, they're kind of like magnets. The more compliments you give out, the more he's going to be drawn to you. And compliments, it's not really that hard. You know, the first one, if you haven't done it for a while, you're like, I don't know if I can do that. But it's not that hard, ladies. You know, you can say things like, well, baby, you look good in that shirt today. You know, or, you know, some of your men, they might be handy around the kitchen. Babe, that was the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich I have ever had. You know, build that man up, you know, make him feel like he's on top of the world. I'm telling you, ladies, it doesn't take rocket science here. Your men, they love to be built up. So I encourage you to give compliments to your husband. Encourage them where they feel weak and celebrate them where they succeed. If they succeed at home or at work or play, wherever it is, celebrate them and make them feel like the ultimate. That leads me to point number two, prize move number two, pursue the passion, pursue the passion. Listen to the passion in Song of Solomon, chapter one, verses two through four. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Now, ladies, I know what some of you are thinking. That sounds incredible. But the passion is long gone in my marriage. Well, ladies, the truth is the passion isn't long gone, but it has been neglected. It's kind of like that beautiful green lawn that you admire and you manicure it and you water it, you nourish it. And, you know, you just tend to it and it's beautiful. But then all of a sudden it starts turning brown and dried out because it's been neglected. That's kind of what your passion in your marriage is like. Um, you've heard the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side. And the truth is the grass is green where you water it. You know, ladies, what good is it to sprinkle water of flirtation on another man's grass when you could be watering your own marriage and your own passion? You know, don't go around sprinkling these uh, waters of flirtation saying things like, well, if only he would do it this way. Or if he was more like so-and-so at work, then I would. Or the what-if thoughts, what if he never found out? You know, ladies, it is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous when you start to sprinkle those what if and if only thoughts. Instead, I encourage you to sprinkle the water of thoughts on your marriage about how you can show love to your ultimate fighter. Thoughts like, thank you, Lord, for my ultimate fighter. Oh, I can't wait to see my man after work today. Or thoughts like, when the kids go to bed, it is going to be all about the passion. You know, what you want, amen again, brother. What you water will flourish, ladies. It will. And so here are a few ways that I try to water the passion in my marriage. And like I say, you know, the, the list could be endless. But here are a few things that I do. Um, I like to leave notes for Herbert. Or if he's going on like a ministry trip, I might leave um, a note in his suitcase for him to find, telling him how much I love him. Um, Sending emails is very easy throughout the day to tell him that I'm thinking about him, that I love him. Um, I have to say that in the Cooper house, we are a little behind on technology most of the time. But we are finally up with the times, and we now have texting on our phones. 
And so I like to send him um, texts throughout the day with, you know, just romantic thoughts or flirtations and things that he'll be excited to come home to. Um, I also do the things that I know are important to him. And so, ladies, if you don't already know um, the things that make your husband feel cherished and loved, I encourage you to talk to him about it. And then do those things that show him that you appreciate him and you care about him. And then maybe Herbert's favorite. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But um, when I put the kids to bed, I like to put on something sexy for him, something he'll enjoy, something he'll like to look at. And then there are also ways that we show each other that we care about our marriage through um, things we do together. So he's um, shared these with you before, but one of them is we go on dates about two to three times a month. And this is a date without the kids, okay, people? Without the kids. And that way we have time just to talk and um, enjoy each other's company. Another thing we like to do is go on overnight getaways a couple times a year. And this just allows us to kind of focus all of our attention on one another and have a good time. And then um, a practical thing we do is we put the kids to bed at 8 p.m. so we can hang out. We love to watch um, our favorite TV shows together, or um, it just gives us time to talk and allows that time for the passion. And so I have to share this with you. Um, I remember when I met Herbert for the first time, and I was a freshman in college. And Herbert was a senior, and my roommate was a sophomore. And she told me all about this guy named Herbert, you know, because she's trying to give me the lowdown on all the guys before, you know, I started. And so I heard about Herbert, and we met each other, and I decided to ask him out to a Girl Ask Guy event at our school. And he said yes, and we went out. And I have to tell you, I came home from that first date, and I walked into my dorm room, and I was already in love. I don't know if that's happened to you, ladies, but, like, I was, like, this much in deep love. Because, you know, love just grows. But I was at the beginning of love. Man, I would do anything for Herbert. I would send him love letters almost every day, and we would talk on the phone until, like, the early morning hours, and... Oh, I was just, my life was all about Herbert. And the truth is, my GPA reflected that. Like, if you look at my freshman GPA, you know, I ended well, but I didn't start so hot, you know. (laughs) And so it was all about whatever I could do for Herbert. And then my dream came true, and he proposed, and I said yes, and we got married. And I fell even more in love with him. And he was just the light of my world, you know, and I would do anything I could to show him that I loved him. Whatever made him happy, I wanted to do it. I was ready for passion 24-7, you know, bring it on, baby, I'm here. You know, everything was good. And then we celebrated our six-year wedding anniversary, and it was just an incredible experience. And we had our first child in that same month. And I have to tell you, ladies, I fell in love with him in a whole new way after seeing him as a father. And I still wanted to do everything I could for him. And I still wanted to have passion with him. But ladies, I was too tired. (laughs) You know, ladies, have you been there? Like, I still had these feelings for him, but by the time I took care of the kids, prepared the meals, cleaned the meals, completed some household tasks, hung out with my friends, gave the kids their baths, da-da-da, the list goes on, man, I had nothing left. You know, it was like, lights out, kids, I'm going to the other bedroom, and I'll see you later, you know? And the truth is, I began to miss 
that passionate time with Herbert. I began to miss the intimacy. And it's not that I didn't desire him because I'm telling you, I would think about him during the day and I would look forward to having that time with him at night. But man, when that bedtime rolled around for those kids, I had nothing left to give him. And ladies, the truth is I had to sit down and say, Herbert is the most important thing to me beside my relationship with Christ. And so something has to change. I can't give my best to everyone else and give him the leftovers. I can't give everything to everybody else and not give the person I care about the most the best of me. And so that leads me to point number three. Prize move number three is say no so you can say yes. Ladies, if you're like me, your to-do list is never completed. You will always have things to do. And the truth is many of those things are good, but it's just that you cannot get them all completed. And so I had to get to a point where I decided I had to learn how to say no. And I had to learn how to say no to good things so I could say yes to the best things. And, you know, it came down to the idea of, Like I said, it can't be about fulfilling everyone else's needs. And so here are some of the things that I started saying no to. And depending on the activities you're involved in, you can create your own list. But I had to say no to having a perfectly clean house. Now, this was a hard one for me to accept because I like everything in its place. I'm not a fan of clutter, you know. If I could have a perfectly clean house, I would just sit and it would be so enjoyable. But the truth is, I could not have a perfectly clean house without exhausting myself. So I had to say no to that. I started saying no to invitations and parties. Ladies, you know as well as I do, if you went to every single lotion party, makeup party, jewelry party, household gadget party, whatever the newest, latest, and greatest thing is, your schedule and your time with your family could really be eaten up by these things. And so as much as I liked hanging out with ladies and having fun, I had to start saying no to certain invitations um, and activities with friends. Another thing is committees and positions. I had to start saying no to positions that maybe were brought to me because I knew that if I said yes, I would be taking time away that my family would be enjoying. And I'm not saying that positions are bad. I think every, you know, it's all in moderation. But I just said no to a position last week. And the truth is, I did not like saying no. And you might be there. For me, I don't enjoy saying no. It can be hard for me to say no. But when I say no, I get to say yes to what is best in my life. The last one that I want to share with you is being with my kids 24-7. Now, I adore my kids, and I adore being a mother, but listen, if I don't get some me time, I'm not the most enjoyable person to be around, you know? And so, ladies, I encourage you that if you're not getting at least a little bit of time for yourself to rejuvenate and to refresh so that you can give what's best to your ultimate fighter, then I encourage you to think about ways that you can do that. You know, at first, Herbert and I decided that um, we would block off a couple hours Um, within our week schedule where Herbert would take over all of the responsibilities with the kids just so I could get out for a little bit. Um, And then, you know, we got to the point where we decided, um, looking at our budget, okay, we can get a babysitter to come for some hours so that I can get out and do the things that help me to refresh. And ladies, I am telling you, when I do these things, I am more enjoyable to be around. I am excited to be with Herbert, and I look forward to it. And the best part is, not only do I get to be with Herbert in 
and uh, have time with him, but I also enjoy it. It's not something that I feel obligated to do. It's something that I want to do. So ladies, I have a little practice for you. So I want you to psych yourself up, okay? Here's what's going to happen. Your friend is going to call you, and she says to you, girl, I am having the latest, the greatest, the newest, gotta have it lotion party of the year. Everybody is going to be there, and we are going to have door prizes. Can you make it? And ladies, you're going to say... Okay, here's the thing. That didn't sound very convincing. <laughs> like, if you said it like that, your girlfriend's going to say, ah, oh, she's just, she really wants to come, so. Oh, come on, girl. You can make it. You know you want to make it. We're having door prizes, food, everything there. You say? No. Okay, I'll give that to you. That was a little better. I'll give that one to you. So, ladies, when we say no, and when we say no to even good things, we get to say yes to what is best. Okay, that leads us to prize move number four. Love your husband for who he is. Love your husband for who he is. You know, ladies, loving your husband is more than like a warm and cozy feeling. It's not, you know, it's more than, I don't know if this happened to you, it happened to me, but, you know, when I first um, started seeing Herbert and he would just get kind of close to me and maybe his elbow touched me, you know, and you're like, oh, he just touched me. <laughs> and you get all like, ooh, gooey, gooey, you know, all the, you just, yeah, warm and gooey all over. But love is so much more than that, you know. Loving him is not about loving him as long as he does what you want him to. Loving him is not loving him as long as you get your way and you get what you want. Um, loving your husband is letting him lead. It's letting him be an ultimate fighter, to be that man that God created him to be. Loving your husband is showing respect to him. It's crushing criticism and making the decision that you want to build him up. Loving your husband means that you're going to love him with his strengths and his weaknesses, that you are going to love the man that God created. And it says in Psalm 139, 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, ladies, I love to pray this specifically about Herbert, and I encourage you to use this as a prayer about your ultimate fighter. I love to say it, pray it this way. I praise you because he is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Ladies, if we trust the Lord, who is the ultimate, if we trust him, he will help us to show ultimate love to our husbands. And I love in 1 Corinthians, there is a model of ultimate love. If you would look in 1 Corinthians 13, verses um, 4 through 7, Christ gives us a model of ultimate love. It says, love is patient, even when it's hard. Love is kind, caring for your ultimate fighter. It does not envy, wanting someone else's man. It does not boast, raising yourself above your ultimate fighter. It is not proud, trying to be Mrs. Right. It is not rude, crushing your husband with criticism. It is not self-seeking, putting your own needs first. It is not easily angered, quick to fight. It keeps no records of wrongs, refusing to forgive your ultimate fighter for past hurt. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth, choosing righteousness. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres in every situation. Love never fails. Ladies, trust in the Lord, the ultimate, to help you to be the ultimate wife, the ultimate support, the ultimate partner in marriage, and he will help you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today.